Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back to the Live in the Dream podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaletti, and I have a badass entrepreneur with me today coming in from Utah at the moment. Jeff Fenster is a serial entrepreneur who's been recognized nationally for his business creations in a variety of areas. Jeff was named a top 100 entrepreneur in America under the age of 35, named a top 40 executive under 40 by the Business Journal, named a finalist for CEO of the year in 2019, and recently a finalist for Entrepreneur of the Year in 2020 by Ernst & Young. Combining his two biggest passions, entrepreneurship and healthy living, Jeff created the foundation Everbowl, which has been built on his personal philosophy of making friends and having fun. This philosophy is translated into a fun, vibrant culture at Everbowl and also became the company's true heartbeat. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for having me. You have me blushing. Uh, I appreciate that intro. And um, on honestly, I'm a big fan of you and your show. And thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited you're here. And what a bio. We're going to get into a lot of that very soon. So before we talk about all the uh, amazing things you've done. How about you take us back to your background? And were you always this? I don't know why I envision you as like this guy that this kid that has a paper route and you're already entrepreneurial or did you grow into that? Yeah, I actually didn't even say the word entrepreneur until probably 2009. Um, you know, when I when I was growing up, um, entrepreneurship wasn't sexy. It wasn't a buzzword. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't a dream of mine. Um, you know, I interned a lot and, and spent a lot of my high school age years uh, learning instead of earning, which enabled me to build relationships with a lot of in inspiring, incredible people and it opened a lot of opportunities for me. And uh, my longest mentor, uh, my, my, you know, I've had a mentor for since I was about five years old, David Meltzer. Um, you know, he helped drive me to realize that since my biggest passion growing up was sports and I wasn't good enough to be a professional athlete, um, the way I was going to stay connected was I was going to be a sports agent. And he was the CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports Agency and, and told me, go to law school and come work with me. So um, I did. I went to law school and had a job lined up and was going to be a sports agent, you know, the next Jerry Maguire. And um, that was what I thought I was going to do. And my third year of law school, um, I got engaged and had a daughter and, uh, Ultimately, my life plans changed. I no longer really wanted to travel around and, and help professional athletes or, or be their errand boy, if you will. Um, I really wanted to help raise my daughter and be a part of my family and, and do more of the domestic stuff. And so I graduated law school with no idea what the hell I was going to do. And I had six figures in law school loans and no real plan. And so a friend of mine was working at a company, ADP, the payroll company, and yeah. told me, come, come get a sales job. You know, you're great at sales. So I did. And fortunately, um, I didn't realize it then, but the philosophy of using relationship capital and, and making friends and having fun is how I sold payroll. And 
I was extremely successful and I grew to be the number one sales rep in the country my first six months and built a big ego and got a big head and thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I had earned a $17,000 bonus that my employer uh, owed me, but didn't want to give me till the end of the fiscal year. And that was June 30th. I'd get it in the middle of July and it was January. And I had just bought a house with my fiance in, in San Diego and we had just moved in and we were engaged and had a wedding date planned. And I went to my boss and said, listen, I need the $17,000 so I can pay for my wedding and my new home that I just spend all my money in. And, you know, I was definitely poor, but even though I was making good money, I was poor because of all of the expenses. Mm -hmm. And my, my boss told me I had to wait until the end of the fiscal year. It was an annual goal. And so I'd get it in six months. And at that moment, my whole world changed. Um, I felt like I was in a prison and I fought them. And in the heat of the negotiation, I threatened to quit if they didn't give it to me. And they called my bluff and said, listen, you can quit, but we're not giving it to you. And so I went home that night and sat down with my fiance and said, listen, I want to quit and I want to sell our house. I want to move in with my mom and dad and you and our daughter and um, start a payroll company because I know I can sell a lot of this stuff. And I had no idea about how to start a company. Uh, I never thought about it, but I just knew I couldn't be shackled to the man, so to speak. And I couldn't trade my, I couldn't have this, I'm trading X number of months to get paid thing. Like I'm a results minded individual. And if I give the result, give me my money. If I don't, don't give me the money. It's, it's simple. It's binary. It's easy for me to comprehend and understand. And um, it allows me to stay focused on my goals. But when it's like, well, I got to wait six months anyway. Well, if you take me back to school, I'm going to procrastinate and crash, uh, you know, try to crash study the night before the test. Um, and so she, she was supportive and I went in the very next day, threatened to quit or quit and started my own payroll company. We sold the house, moved in with my mom and dad, and I became an entrepreneur in 2007. Uh, but I didn't realize I was an entrepreneur. I just was starting my own payroll company and that's what I was just going to do. Oh, what a story. Oh my. So you start this payroll and I could, I could dissect so much of what you just said. There were so many big takeaways in there. And I love how you said learning before earning. And actually, let's start there. What advice, because there are some younger listeners. Do you have any advice for someone who maybe they're at the tail end of college or maybe they've already graduated? And I, I love how you said that. Would you suggest that to individuals who maybe they don't really know what they want to do, but would do you stand true to learning before earning for the younger for anybody, but especially people coming out of college? Always. It's the number one success hack that's not used. Um, you know, I get hit up a lot now from college and high school kids that, that ask me for jobs because we obviously employ a lot of them and we don't always have jobs, but I can promise you if you want to come and learn and you want to invest your time with us and just be around and help, but we don't have to spend resources as by way of capital. It's just going to be investment of time most of the time you're going to get yeses, right? And you hear these stories about, oh, this person started in the mailroom at this company and grew. And if you really want to build your relationships and, and get access to the people that are where you want to be, one secret way to do that is intern for them, learn, offer your time. You're paying to get that, right? You're elevating. So you can get paid minimum wage, 20 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour, whatever it's going to be. That's not life-changing, right? And you're only going to get that job if there's a job available, and you're also going to be an employee, which means the expectations are different. But when I have someone who's with me for free and they just want to learn and be around and, and get exposed to the world that I'm in, well, now I feel committed to actually help them do that, right? And so I'm not paying them money, but I'm investing in them. Um, and I use that technique all growing up. And, and luckily, I had some older friends that became my mentors, like Dave Meltzer. You know, he's 12 years older than me or 14 years older than me. And 
our moms were best friends. So he used to watch me play little league and then inspired and taught me this, but I interned for him across all of his companies for the better part of 15 years. And I didn't get paid a dime, but I got access to relationships that I use and today that are both helpful and inspiring and amazing people. I got knowledge that I use today by watching how business was done. And I was exposed to it instead of thinking like an employee, I got to think like an executive because I had access. So, you know, learning instead of earning is a tactic that if you just listen, if you have to pay your bills, you have to pay your bills. We all understand that. But high school, college, um, young adults where you maybe are living at home or you don't need much and you have a job that's covering your bills and you can invest a few hours, reach out to those people and say, I want to learn. I don't need to get paid. How can I just be around? How can I get access to this information? Because who you know in this world is so much more valuable than what you know. And people don't realize that. Like, I don't know how to do a lot of things that I do because I surround myself with amazing people who do those things. And the reason I surround myself is because I have those relationships. And um, I'm going to do a little self-plug, but it doesn't cost you any money. Uh, I just came out with a course on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm a LinkedIn learning instructor and uh, two courses. One of them is on relationship capital. It's about 36 minutes of micro chapters, like one and a half to two minutes long. Um, I recommend anyone who's listening Go to LinkedIn and download the course. If you're a LinkedIn premium member, it's free. If you're not, hit me up and I'll send it to you for free so you don't have to pay because um, I'm not trying to get your money. I want you to truly gain these skills. And these are the things that I've used over the course of my career and it's really served me. And if you can apply them, um, I think you'll gain some serious value. I love that you said that. So hop on LinkedIn, look you up, Jeff Fenster, and you'll hook them up. That's very cool. And that's that's a great idea. I love the micro learning idea. It seems like with attention spans getting shorter and shorter, that's probably the best way to get your point across to people that are watching. Yeah. I mean, it's we're, we live in an Instagram world now. So if it's, if it's less than a minute and a half, you're good. Yeah, that's true. And I, I love how you said Back to your story in 2007, you were clearly humble enough, which I think this is a huge deal, to sell a home that I'm assuming was, you know, probably this nice house in California and move in with your parents. I mean, we had just bought it. It was my first house, which makes it, it was a castle to me. You know, it's probably not a castle now or to most people. It was a starter home, but, um, you know, I was 24 years old and I bought a house and, and, and I had a fiance and a daughter. So for me, it was like, this was a castle. You know, yeah. um, I went from an apartment where I was the year before to a house. And so it was great, you know, and, in, and that's the part that no one likes to hear. Right. It's everyone watches success at the end. You know, you see all the successful moments for people, but you don't see what goes into it. And um, there's no success without that sacrifice, work and grind. And, and the sacrifice part, you know, it's people say, oh, I can't do it because, you know, I have I have a kid or I have a mortgage. But I had all those things, too. Um, I had a support group. Fortunately, my parents allowed me, trust me, they didn't want me to. They tried talking me out of this. You go tell your parents that you're going to quit a six figure job and bring <laughs> your fiance and, and daughter into their house and sell your home. Um, and they, they see catastrophe written all over that, but it's the sacrifice part. And so, you know, anyone who's, who's making the excuse or, or living behind the, the wall that says, I can't pursue my dreams because I have blank mortgage, kids, etc. Um, it's a question of, why not? You can, you just have to reevaluate how you're living your life and make the decision that that house and your pride and your ego isn't worth more than your happiness or your goal or your dream. And um, that's a personal decision. And so it's, that's the one. And, and it's very easy to see what someone decides, you know, if you can't decide or you're not sure, flip a coin and 
I literally and and decide heads is this and tails is this and when the coin's in the air whichever side you're rooting for is what you actually really want oh that i've never heard that before that's a great idea yeah it works i, I love that gotta make sure we put that somewhere because that's a that's a really good advice so w- w- speaking of advice and I, I think you kind of alluded to this jeff but what about the person and i'm sure you know there's some individuals in in this camp too who do not like their job how do you know the the answer maybe it is flipping the coin and which one you root for how do you know okay i got to just start my own business or this just isn't the right job for me i'm just going to go to a different job yeah uh, you know i think this is the byproduct now of the sexiness of entrepreneurship and how everyone is now it's getting glorified at this time so the extremes have gone the other way i mean when i when i started entrepreneurship was not a thing and it was business owner and 9 out of 10 businesses fail and it's not meant for most people. Go get a job and work your life and retire. And now it's like everyone should be an entrepreneur. Uh, the truth is, not everyone should be an entrepreneur. Everyone should be an entrepreneurial. Everyone should have an entrepreneurial mindset, uh, but understand what kind of a human being you are. Because I'm a serial entrepreneur, which means I start companies from scratch. I'm not someone you hire to come into your company because you're doing, you know, seven figures and you want to take it to eight or nine or ten figures. I'm not the person for that. There's individuals that are entrepreneurial minded that aren't going to start their own company, but join startups, right? You know, I have a team of people around me that are amazing. And, you know, I'll pinpoint my COO, you know, Eric, he is one of the most brilliant human beings I know. And he's got talents beyond talents, but he's not a guy who's going to start his own company because there's components to that job that he would just hate. He would despise it. So he would ultimately not be as successful because he's the founder of his own company. But you bring him in and with someone else, a visionary or some or someone who does start their own. And he's like, I mean, he's the horsepower in the car, right? He might not be the body that you see driving down the street, but he's the he's a lot of that engine uh, that that makes that all happen. And that goes for a lot of different individuals. Right. And it's, it's understanding who you are. And if you can look at like if you understand that being a starting your own company requires so much sacrifice and also requires the ability to problem solve without anything uh attract and and bring the right pieces together and play chess and be the general manager and also be willing to be not the most popular person on the team um that's okay that and you're good at raising capital you have a big relationship network and you can get the exposure and create the buzz then that's the role but if you're like listen i want to be part of that environment i don't have the right idea but I hate my job. Well, then go join a startup. Go be employee number two, three, four, five, six, 12, 13, 23, whatever, right? Because you still get to be an entrepreneur and, and apply those same metrics because there aren't processes already defined and built. Everyone on our team has been an entrepreneur at Everbull, right? Our, our chief development officer, Brian, he built out Everbull University, our entire training department, and from scratch. So he got to be an entrepreneur inside of this incubated brand, this system right? It's part of that process. Um, That's what happens, you know? And so when you think about the word entrepreneur, it doesn't always mean you're the person who starts the company or you're the CEO. That's a job. The CEO is a job. Like it's it's just the job at the company. The founder is the person who decided I'm going to start this company and invests all that resources up front or or whatever it's going to be and had the idea. And that's cool. You know, obviously there's a little bit of a desire to want to be that person until you are that person. And then you kind of always wish you could be the other person. I think the grass is one of those things. The grass is always greener. Um, But if you are sitting in a dead end job or a job you hate 
and you don't have a vision to start your own company or you can't figure it out or you're scared or you just don't understand, pick a new job. I mean, you're not, you're not landlocked. You know, when I started my own payroll company and I was at ADP, my fallback plan was paychecks. I'm like, well, I knew I could sell this stuff. Paychecks is the Pepsi to their Coca-Cola. So I'm sure if I walk in and say, hey, I, I was the number one sales rep at ADP. I started my own company. I failed because I don't know anything about business. And here I am and I'm going to be your best salesperson. Will you hire me? They would hire me, right? <laughs> so like the, the, the point of not jumping to do your, your own thing because of a job you hate, I, I just, I don't understand that. So um, I would challenge you to stop thinking that way. That's such a great, there's so many great takeaways in that answer. I mean, it's not like if you don't like your job, the only other option is quit and start my own business. I love how you went into the options that everybody has. And it does seem like it's a complete self-awareness game. I'm glad you went down that road too, because I, I totally agree with you. Uh, so what, regarding, you're talking about the payroll company, you go in 2007. Can you walk us through, just so everyone understands a little more about your journey, Jeff, from 07 payroll company to now in Everbowl. How did that journey flow through and come about? Uh, there's no linear line. Um, I'll be very quick just because it's, you know, it's the back stuff. But uh, no, we uh, started iChecks out of, out of my mom's kitchen. I had a buddy who uh, was with ADP. I convinced him to quit and join me. Uh, <laughs> and we did it together. And we raised private equity capital in 2009, uh, 2009 and then sold the company in, at the beginning of 2012 to a company in Florida. Uh, while I was there, though, the, my, and again, this is all polished now. So this wasn't like on the forefront of my mind back then. But um, using the power of making friends and having fun and, you know, the way I've always sold is I made friends with my customers and my clients. I'd go to them and I'd ask them, what was the problems? What are they dealing with? What issues can I help them with? And the number one issue when I started my payroll company was we were at the height of a recession. You know, I started the company and then the recession started. Yeah. And so I sold paychecks, which means if you have a lot of employees, I, I made a lot of money. If you didn't, I didn't. So the number one pain point for my clients was recruiting because there was such a massive pool of unemployment. Not a lot of people were, uh, there was too many people unemployed. It was really hard to, to decide who to hire. And then people who had jobs weren't leaving their, their job in f just out of fear because the world was in a recession. So I started a recruiting agency to, to, on the side to help my clients. And it was only for my clients. And it was like, look, I'll, I'll be the recruiting arm. And that'll help feed into uh, iChecks, which is more checks. If I help you hire three more people, you, you need three more paychecks. I make more money. It worked out. So I started this recruiting company. And, and that, at that point, I realized that I like starting companies more than I like optimizing mm -hmm. companies. And I like the problem solving, going from zero and figuring it out and getting all the initial foundational connections together and bringing the right people together. So um, I got a guy to become my CEO of that company. And then I sold that in 2012. Um, and then was kind of, my youngest daughter was born at the end of 2011. And I didn't, wasn't around a lot traveling. So I figured I wanted to work from a computer and was like, Hey, you know what? I want to do that. Cause then I can stay home and, and raise my, my youngest. And I didn't know anything about a computer. I barely know how to use one. So, um, I started a digital marketing agency and I reached out to a friend of mine named Pat Flynn, um, who has a big podcast and a big website called smartpassiveincome.com. And I said, listen, I'm going to pay you six figures to teach me how to be a digital marketer and use the computer. And he's like, Jeff, I love you, man. I'm your buddy, but the name of my business is Smart Passive Income and that ain't passive. And so I, I, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, and I said, okay. 
But he's like, you should meet a guy named Neil Patel. And I said, who's that? And he's like, oh, he's like the number one digital marketer in the world. You should probably know him if you're going to enter the space. I was like, okay, can you introduce me? And he's like, sure. So he set up a call for me and Neil. And, you know, this is the part which I think is one of my, one of my uh, differentiators is, and I would recommend everyone think about these things before they do them, is you get the opportunity. Don't just rush into it. Like, think about how you can stand out and be different. So I knew I had this call with Neil. I wanted to partner with him. He doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. And I figured everybody wants to partner with him. So how can I stand out? So what am I good at? Right. That's that self-reflection moment. So I knew I was great at sales. So I said, okay, I'm going to go sell a six figure contract before I even meet Neil and I'm going to bring it to him. And so I did. So I sold a six figure digital marketing contract um, with a pretty big firm. And then when I had the call with Neil, my very first line was, Hey, he was like, Hey Jeff, nice to meet you. I'm like, Hey Neil, nice to meet you. Uh, I know Pat connected us. Um, I need your, I need your full address. I have a six figure check for you. He was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I have a check for you. And he's like, for what? And I'm like, I just sold our first client at six figures and and I'm giving you all the money because um, I'm going to go get a lot more business, but I need to partner with you because you're the expert on digital marketing. I have an entire team, a Rolodex of people I know I can sell to. And I think together we could blow this thing up into some serious, you know, into a serious business. And he was really taken back. I mean, obviously I, I, (laughs) basically just threw cold water on, on the conversation, but um, enough to create interest to where now he at least had to understand more. And we ended up meeting in person, became friends, partnered together, uh, grew the business and sold off a lot of our clients in 2014, 2015, and then uh, got completely got out of the business at the end of 2015, uh, beginning of 2016. And then um, was kind of dancing around trying to figure out what I was going to do next, driving my wife and kids crazy, had a few <laughs> ideas and, um, was going to go with a couple other companies first, but then ultimately just jumped into Everbowl, you know, being that I love the, the food side and it was my biggest passion. And, um, you know, I don't know shit about restaurants, but I knew that I wanted to bring healthy eating uh, to, to the masses. And I thought that this was a very good opportunity to build a successful business, make a lot of money and help a lot of people at the same time. And it was one of those things where it's just like, you know what, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like it wasn't like, it's not an end all be all. I have other ideas of things I wanted to do. And so it just, that's how we got to Everbowl. And then um, actually a uh, funny story. And I'm, I'm actually out here in Utah with uh, Eric Brussel, who does all our branding. And we actually were meeting about a different company, but I had, I took him somewhere to eat acai bowls because I was still oh. toying with this idea. And while he was eating it for the first time and uh, his, his diet is not acai bowls at the time, but the <laughs> fact that he enjoyed it. Um, and I got to see someone who, who, doesn't eat healthy or doesn't eat the healthy way that I was eating, you know, wasn't a foodie in that perspective, uh, actually enjoy this. It was kind of like, well, that was one of the, that was one of the things I wanted to see, to see if I could bring this to market. Um, and we ended up working on, on this project instead. Oh, that's so you laid that out perfectly. And for those of you listening and watching, I hope you caught all those amazing takeaways inside of Jeff's story. I'm trying to write them all down. Just ask, right? I mean, I think asking is a huge deal. And you've clearly asked whether it's for help or to connect with somebody else. You've done that, it seems like, your whole career. And then I love the story of the digital marketing guy. You add value first before he could add value to you. That I think that's a huge takeaway. And I love the quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And it seems like you take that one to heart big time. So I'll only add just because I don't want anyone to think it's only uh, roses and sunshine. Um, I had some failures along the way. Um, and I'll, I'll just give you the one minute biggest failure I had. 
Yeah. Um, I've had companies that work, but um, I started a company in 2012 called Equity Circle. Um, the concept was to legalize equity-based crowdfunding. This was before Kickstarter and GoFundMe and all that. Like the idea was, how does entrepreneurs get access to capital? This was before the Jobs Act became legal. And so I had a platform. I invested a lot of money. Um, I went out and got a lot of signatures on change.org. We got hundreds of thousands of signatures from people who wanted to legalize equity-based crowdfunding. We were all excited. Um, it passed. The Jobs Act passed. And my platform failed because I didn't spend enough time on it. I spent more time on the cause and not enough time on, on my mousetrap, if you will, or the business. Um, and I lost six figures and of my own money and, and it was a failure. Um, so I just wanted to make sure, like, I, I know I only gave you the good stuff, but that's just not a truism. And I don't want anyone thinking it's that easy or that there isn't downs. There is, but you pick yourself up and you keep going. Right. So that failed. And then I started a digital marketing company. Um, I first tried that prior to the digital marketing, which is why I think people around me were like, you don't know how to use a computer. And they were right. You know, and the same thing with a restaurant, you know, when I started Everbowl, I'll tell you, my dad, who's a contrarian, you know, and he's the glass is always half empty. His first words to me were nine out of 10 restaurants fail. And my mom said, you don't know how to cook. And my wife, just because she had to jump on, decided to say, all I do in the kitchen is eat and make a mess. And the truth is they're all right. But if you isolate nine out of 10 restaurants fail, let's, let's use that. It's an accurate statement, except 10 out of 10 restaurants are started by people with restaurant experience, which means I'm going to go get experience in the restaurant space to then have a 90% failure rate. What's the point, right? I'd rather come in and I, and I, and this is something that I truly believe. I think experience is the most overrated prerequisite to starting a company period. Um, you don't get experience. Doesn't, I mean, yes, there's things that experience gives you, but then it just makes you look at the, at that industry through the eyes of everyone else in that industry. You know, when we started Everbowl and even to this day on our executive team, None of us have restaurant experience. Do we have restaurant advisors? Yes. Do I have restaurant investors? Yes. Do I ask help for help when I need it? Absolutely. Um, but we approach everything with a different perspective. It is the business principles that are the same regardless of industry is how I've been able to jump from industry to industry and be successful. And if you apply them, the, in, the experience side can be a benefit, but it can be a negative just the same. And so, um, that's kind of where I enjoy starting all these companies in different industries because I get to problem solve and come in and disrupt and do things differently, which they don't all work, but that's okay, right? Like you don't need to be sitting there waiting to say, oh, I need three more years experience before I go and do my own thing. It's just bullshit. Like go do your own thing. And if it doesn't work, someone will hire you. I love that. I mean, you. I hope somebody listening or watching, you just help them debunk the myth of, I don't have any experience, so I can't do X. I think that's a huge takeaway. You've proven that. I mean, you've proven that multiple times over that you don't need to be a decade of experience in an industry to succeed. So I appreciate you sharing that. And Jeff, so let's let's transition to like the health side of things, because I know you're all in on the healthy living, as am I. I mean, uh, I'm a plant-based guy. My wife's vegan, but we do our best to eat as healthy as we can just because we feel better. So mm -hmm. let me start with kind of an odd question. I'm excited to ask you this. Help us, and I think you just made a good point with the acai bowl. Help us another myth that, quote unquote, healthy living, there's no taste or it doesn't taste good. C can you give us a little help us with that myth that's out there? Yes. So- I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. I'm afraid of illness. And I think it's easier to prevent illness than cure illness. And so I like to Google and eat weird exotic superfoods that are supposed to have more nutritional benefits than, you know, traditional food and help make my body be its best self. And 
I'm a passionate person and, and I drive my friends crazy because when I like something, I try to get them into it. And I've always tried to get my friends to eat healthy. But you look around and you see that, you know, in America, we are killing ourselves with heart disease, stroke, obesity, cancer, diabetes. And then you learn that 80% of that is lifestyle, meaning it's not genetics. You weren't predisposed to have them. It's our choices. It's our lack of movement and what we eat. And, you know, I think one of the things with business if you're going to, you know, again, I'm going back to business because at the end of the day, I'm a business guy. And, right. and to have a successful business, you have to have a market and you have to have an opportunity to grow your business, right? Like I can, I can sell you air, but you can breathe for free. So you're probably not going to pay me for it at this point, you know, maybe, maybe in a hundred years, but not right now. Um, same thing with, with, with eating healthy. So I looked at what, what are the reasons people don't eat healthy? What are the excuses we're making? Why are, why are fast food companies exploding, but healthy, healthy spots are always slow and, you know, not really packed to the brim. And why isn't there a, a drive-through line, you know, 20 cars deep, like there is a, let's say a burger joint um, at a healthy spot. And it's four excuses that I've, I've kind of buckled them all in and you just hit one of them. And it's either, we think it doesn't taste good to eat healthy. It doesn't fill us up and leave us satisfied. It costs too much money or you just can't get it. Mm. And the taste thing. Well, the taste thing is because obviously smarter business people in, in laboratories have created tastes that are more powerful and, and stronger than what nature already gave us, right? Like at Everbowl, we call it nature's candy. We call our superfoods nature's candy. It is like, and the, in, and the candy industry has proven this because if you look at the candy industry from chocolate bars to can to sweet candy, it's all bright colored like fruit. It all mirrors fruit. A Butterfingers, bright yellow packaging, a, a crunch bars, bright blue, M&Ms are rainbow. There's a reason for it. We're predisposed to chase the colors of fruit. And because they've made them sweeter and because they've added more addictive principles to it, we now like it better than the taste of fruit. But any toddler, and I was just talking about this last night, a uh, piece of content I've always wanted to create, that you take a little kid who's yet to be programmed by society and you put a bowl of fresh fruit or just a bunch of chocolate, they're going to always go to the fresh fruit until they learn that chocolate tastes sweeter and is man-made. And so, you know, we have to re- understand that we have to find things that taste good to be our best self. And so Everbowl's goal was to provide these superfoods and this eclectic menu of exotic fruits that together taste amazing. And our goal is to introduce them to you. And once you taste them, we're confident you're going to say, you know what, this tastes pretty good and it's good for me. And then you're going to start introducing that into your lifestyle. One day, you know, it might be once this month, it might be twice the next month until eventually you might become a diehard health nut and, and that's okay. But we're not, we don't require you to be that. And, and I'm not that, you know, I'm guilty, you know, Halloween's coming and I will probably eat some M&Ms because I like M&Ms. Um, you know, I get asked, you must never eat bad. No, I, I eat bad too. You know, I have bad days, but I, but more often than not, I make good choices and that's what it's about. You know, it's, it's not an all or nothing game. And um, I think too often people who are struggling to find ways to eat healthier and to re take control of their health and wellness, they feel like if they can't fully commit, they shouldn't do it at all. And it's not binary like that. It is not a zero or 100. There's a scale. And it's like, you know, I, one of my very, very, very good friends, he, he's very out of shape. Uh, he's, he's obese. He's very out of shape. And, you know, I'm always pushing him like, and he, you know, man, you got to just do it. You got to do it. And he can't get started. And I was like, dude, just walk to your mailbox today. Tomorrow, walk to your next door neighbor's mailbox. And every day, walk one more mailbox. And you know what? Um, eventually, you're going to be walking 10 miles a day right? Like eventually you will get there. And same thing with eating right. Like just try to find one thing you like, whether it's Everbowl or not. I mean, obviously, sure. I wish you'd go to Everbowl, but if you don't, I don't care. 
just find one thing healthy that you like and eat more of it, whether it's one vegetable or one fruit and start exposing yourself to it. And the idea that healthy eating doesn't taste good or there is no flavor, that's a misnomer, right? That's just a broad overstatement. And so it's, it's, it's really more about finding what you do like and how you like it and incorporating it into your, into your dietary habits. I love that answer. And I love how you say to start slow. I think that's such a key takeaway. I, I just, I interviewed a woman who's 68 years old. She did exactly what you just said years ago. And now she's a professional triathlete. I mean, you have no idea where that could lead these small steps. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. And, and we talked before we started recording about access and, and you mentioned that as one of the, uh, I guess, reasons why people do not eat healthy. I guess this is kind of a twofold question. How are you, how do you feel like you're helping with the access part? And then maybe you can roll it into the vision of, I'm assuming knowing you a little while that I've known you, you want to keep growing this thing and growing this thing. So can you speak to those? Sure. Yeah. So uh, access is definitely one of them, right? That a lot of people don't eat healthy simply because they have 30 minutes for lunch break, or they live in an area without access to, to healthy food. So it's just bad food and they're not cooking for themselves. Um, and so at Everbowl, you know, we knew that that was one of the challenges. And so our goal was to grow really quickly. Um, we had to rethink what we did. So launched our own construction and fabrication company called We Built. We Built Stuff. And the goal was to build our own Everbowls. Number one, because it helped with the cost because um, it was too expensive to build Everbowls at first. It cost me too much money when I, when I started. So I needed to bring my cost down. But number two, it allowed us to open quicker and faster and bring Everbowl to more markets. And then you know, what we did in our region is we started bringing Everbowl not to where everyone thought it should be, but actually more inland and, and away from that pockets of health and wellness and to the areas that didn't already have it and started exposing uh, you know, um, communities to our product and healthy options at a time when they just didn't have it. And, and we saw our brand grow. And so for us, you know, the long vision is to, obviously we're franchising now and we're selling franchises all over the country. That's why I'm here in Utah today. Uh, today we're actually opening a franchise location, uh, yeah. yep, Farmington, Utah. So if you're in the area, come on by for a bowl. Um, but we're now trying to sell Everbowls everywhere. And one thing that I, that, that I am so proud that we do is we're disrupting how franchising works, right? So at Everbowl, we offer the cheapest entry point for franchise in our industry. And it's a done for you service. And, and why I'm stressing this is I'm not selling you. I'm, I'm sharing that because we, we vertically integrated the components from how we source our ingredients to how we build our stores to our messaging and our branding and everything is complete. Someone in Pittsburgh, someone in Miami, someone in Denver, someone in New York, someone in, in Atlanta can, can buy an Everbowl franchise for one third to half the cost of any of our competitors and get open and get making money. But more importantly, start making an impact in their community. And the reason we did that is Instead of us making all our money up front, like most of our competitors, our goal is to have you open two or three in your market instead of one for the same price that you would have opened just one. And now you've made healthy eating more accessible. You're building your tribe in your region. You're getting champions in your region. You're getting to amortize the cost. And then from the business side, there's all the benefits of owning more than one. Um, but most importantly, Everbowl is becoming a brand that's going to be everywhere and yes, there's a, self, a self-fulfilling prophecy for us as the corporate side, but also in your side, if you're the franchisee in your region and Everbowls are popping up everywhere, that, that idea of FOMO starts to come in and someone tries it one area and then it goes somewhere else. And all of a sudden you get this buzz and this buzz is around health. And 
my favorite, favorite, favorite part of, of being a part of Everbull, as opposed to any other company I'm a part of, is 100% of the customers and people we interact with are better after they interact with our company. The food is good for you. Mm-hmm. So it's not like digital marketing where, yeah, I can make you more money, but I'm not making a social impact or payroll. I'm giving paychecks, which means, yes, you get paid, but really anyone can do that job. No, there's no one who, who leaves worse. You know, no one. It's like you eat this and your body's thanking you. You're going to feel good. You're going to look good. You're going to be your best self. And we get to be a part of that. And, you know, at this point in my life, I care a little bit more about that than the other part. And so uh, I'm excited to, to be on this journey with incredible people and, and help bring this brand everywhere. And, and that's our goal. And that's what we're trying to do from an access perspective and solve that problem to where no longer we're, we're, we're just we're just making it easier for people to make the right choice because I'm not going to force feed it to you. But the excuses you make or the, the walls and barriers that stand in front of you, our goal is to just make those a little smaller, you know, make it a little bit easier for you to make that right choice. And if you don't make it today, maybe you'll make it tomorrow. And once you do, you're gonna be like, you know what, that's pretty good. Let me do that a little bit more often. And so, you know, we really try to give you more, more product bang for your buck as far as value. Uh, we give you unlimited toppings of your choice and you get to pick your own ingredients from our eclectic version and we don't nickel and dime you for them. So you get to make it your way and make sure you like it um, and not, you know, find out that it, what was supposed to be an eight or $9 item is now a $14 item with all the add-ons. Um, <laughs> and if you're not a business individual, but you want to, you want to maybe start your own business, you know, we're kind of got an incubator for you where you get the power of our team and you get all of that stuff done for you from how to order and how to do it all. So it's kind of like a baby step into it and it's affordable. And then the last thing we launched is, is financing. Uh, you know, we started financing our, some of our franchisees who can't have access to capital, uh, all the capital because we believe in what we're doing so much and your success that we're going to help you get open. I love it. I mean, you can just tell the passion that Jeff has for this on on all aspects. I mean, not the business side, yes, but also the mission and what you guys are doing. It's just so obvious to me that you're all in on this idea and it seems like it, it is relatively easy. Not, I don't want to say easy, but simple if somebody wants to get started and who knows i might be opening 12 ever bowls in pittsburgh we, we don't know yeah. what's going to happen yeah. we say this once matt but go steelers <laughs> this is recording so i can keep playing <laughs> on the loop over and over again all right i i, I want to respect your time but let's do one more question then we'll roll into this final five here um actually let me ask you this because i know that i think this is a newer thing the super fuel coffee. Is that, yes. that's a newer thing. I did my research. I told you. Good. Yes. So super fuel coffee is, uh, besides super food bowls, my favorite product to consume is coffee. Um, I love coffee and, and coffee's good for you. And the idea here is we import our own acai and superfoods are so important in getting antioxidants and the health benefits. And right now you can't get everyone in Pittsburgh and maybe you don't have access to superfoods. So how can we help still? Uh, we came out with Superfuel Coffee, the world's first acai-infused coffee line. And the idea is we loaded them up with three flavors loaded with different superfoods. And our unique selling proposition or our, or our statement is you drink coffee every day. You don't always eat superfoods. So drink superfoods with your coffee and get access to those antioxidants and start to be your best self. Uh, we price it very affordable. It's available on Amazon. So please go to Amazon and, and check it out. And if you like it, give us a review. And if you don't, also give us a review so we can get better. Um, and you know, the, the goal there is just start making better choices, incremental. You know, one of our core values at Everbowl is Kaizen to get 1% better every day. And if you can just get 1% better with your health and start making just little micro adjustments to be better, um, you'll get there. And 
you know, don't, don't beat yourself up if you make mistakes and, and, and super fuel coffee is our way to connect with more people in, in more markets that we don't have stores in. I I'm so glad you said that. And now it's available to anybody across the whole country or world. I guess if you got access to Amazon, you got access to super, super fuel coffee. My wife's going to look into that because she loves yes. coffee as well. well and, I, and, and text me your address and I'll send you a little gift box. Oh, that's really cool. I will do that. Uh, I appreciate that. And I, w- I just wanted to say, because you, you've proven this over and over, you seem so good at taking an idea and then executing it, whereas I'm sure a lot of people have ideas and nothing comes of it. How does, and I think I'm thinking about this super fuel coffee, did you get feedback from customers or how do, how do you know this is the next idea, this is going to work, people will buy it, et cetera? Uh, I don't. I don't know. You know, obviously made some samples. We tasted on our team and friends and family, you know, but it's a matter of action. Um, that's how, like we, we launched another product earlier called K2O, which was a, a kefir water. And I made it in my kitchen and me and my friends would drink it at our, at, you know, hanging out around the pool and stuff. And everyone loved it. And then we tried to scale it and launch in the stores and no one bought it. So it failed. Um, but I'm not sitting here talking about that product. I just picked up and moved on to the next one. I mean, it's, you know, if, it's like we, once we become adults, we forget how to learn. Um, you know, if you look at a kid and I think, I think we can learn, you can get so much value just watching children because children make friends with everybody. They don't have predisposed, uh, you know, thick barriers in their head. Uh, but watch a kid learn to walk. If, if adults quit, if, we, if kids quit as quickly as adults do, no one would walk. <laughs> you fall down twice and go, I can't walk. I wasn't meant to walk and then sit in a chair the rest of your life. Instead of realizing like, no, you're going to fall and you're going to fall and you're going to fall. And eventually you figure it out. And it's not a race against other people. It's a race against your own self and your own journey. And just take it one day at a time. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing lots of new things right now that are outside of my comfort zone. And some of them I suck at. And <laughs> I'm not afraid to suck at things. I'm not. I don't care. Like, I'm going to get better. And as long as I get a little bit better every day, I'll get there. So how we move these products across, it's a team effort. It's collaborative. Um, you know, and, and I try to leverage my relationships to, to help any way I can. And um, I like to bring amazing people around me because they make, they make this all work as I'm only good at what I'm good at and they're good at what they're good at. And together we're unstoppable. And anyone who tries to do everything themselves fails. And mm. uh, I believe because I've tried and I failed and, and it's all ego based. And, and so it's just a matter of taking action and, and taking it now and starting. And from there, the rest happens. It's just in time learning. It's just in time opportunity. And it's putting yourself and your passion behind it. And amazingly, when you do that, the right people, the right money and the right opportunities flow. I love that. And I appreciate you being open and sharing some of the huge successes, but also some of the smaller failures as well, because you keep plowing forward and plowing forward. And I love to, I love to see that. And I, I want to mention, we talked about this before we started recording, but I want to make sure everybody hears this. Jeff, as we spoke before we recorded, kept saying when I asked him about Everbowl, we, we, we. And I wanted to bring that up because he's not saying I, even though he is the CEO, he continues to say we, and even he gets some of these big time awards. It's always we. And I want to acknowledge you for that because you, you just make it seem like such a team, which it is. And I think that shows you're such a humble leader. So I respect it. In some ways. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we are a team and I can promise you Everbowl would not be where it is today if it was just me. Um, I, I have had a lot of good ideas, but I've had a lot of shitty ideas. And some of the best ideas in our company have come from team members and um, partners and 
outsiders that just throw ideas. And it's just a, it's just a matter of surrounding yourself with amazing people. You know, I like to be the dumbest guy in the room um, and surround myself with smarter people in all areas and the areas that I have to lead, I lead. And, and to me, it's about align, you know, aligning yourself with like-minded individuals. And for me, it's results, results based. And I am so proud of the team we have. And I'm so proud of, of being with all the incredible, I mean, our first franchisee was actually our first employee. Um, it's this kid, Ben. And, you know, I hired Ben when he was 19 and he was shy and couldn't look people in the face. And um, it, it, it was a struggle to get him outside of, to break free the first couple months, but then he did. And now he's one of the most charismatic individuals, incredible human, um, leads, leads like no other, you know, leads by example and commits himself. And, and then he ended up becoming our first franchisee. And we financed him to help him get open. And, and so, you know, that is, that goes to show, you know, he's, he's even him, he's been instrumental in helping us because as our first franchisee, we're learning from him. You know, I think like what you said, it, it is, it's usually the people behind the face and the face is only the face. Cause again, I'm the CEO and that's my job, you know, and obviously um, I'm as the founder, I have the most passion for what the cause was cause I started it. So naturally, you know, I, I do what I do, but, but truthfully, any award we get or I get is a reflection of our team. And it's important for everyone to understand that. And, you know, obviously the best, it's not the best individuals that win. It's, it's a famous sports saying it's the best team. And if you look at all the dynasties and all the teams, sure, sometimes they have the best players. And I think we do. I'd put my team up against anybody's. Um, however, we are one. And I think our, our different skill sets complement each other. And our weaknesses are filled by each other. And so that's what has allowed us to scale and grow so quickly. Well said, my friend. That is, uh, and it just sounds so obvious to me that you are such a great team. I appreciate you opening up. I do this thing at the end of every interview called the final five. So I ask you five rapid fire questions and now you got to go open up another store. So I don't want to keep you back over here, but where can people connect with you, Jeff, before I do the final five? Where's the, where are you most active? We heard LinkedIn. If you want to give that again, fine, or wherever you think people can go. Uh, Instagram, at Fenster Jeff, last name, first name. You can email me, connect at jefffenster.com if you have any questions or if I can be of service to anybody. Don't be shy. Um, otherwise, like Facebook or LinkedIn, uh, hit me up. And as I mentioned, I have a couple of courses on LinkedIn. If you want access for free, just hit me up and I'll send them to you for free. So don't, don't click the buy button. Just, just hit me up. Very cool. I appreciate you doing that for the listeners and viewers. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, of course. All right, here we go. Final five. Right. He has no idea what's coming and I'm kind of excited. All right. <laughs> wait, wait, let me put my hat backwards for this. Oh, now he's getting serious. There we go. All right, here we go. Final five. <laughs> How do you want to be remembered, Jeff? Um, relentless. Oh, that's a good word. It's a really good word. We didn't even get to real quick, just because you turn the hat around and we can see it. Unevolve. Just give us the give us the mission behind that. Unevolve is the true why behind Everbowl. It was the single word that uh, that we came up with that basically exemplified what we wanted to stand for. And it's to live an unevolved lifestyle. It simply means move your body and eat stuff that's been around forever. Everbowl is made from stuff that's been around forever. And the concept there is take control of your health. Technology has has allowed us to over evolve in so many ways in positive ways, but it's bad for health. We don't have to move our bodies anymore and we don't have to eat real food. Um, so simply move your body and eat real food, unevolve. That's the lifestyle. That's the mission statement and the why behind Everbowl. And Everbowl is on team unevolve. So if you walk in our, sh in our stores, our employees shirts say unevolve on the front and Everbowl on the back, because we're just one player on that team. 
If you go to one of our competitors, that's fine, but take control of your health and be your best self. I love it. Unevolve. That's so good. And I also love that he turned his hat around because I told him before we started recording that I was going to ask him about it and then I blew it. So maybe that was Jeff's way of saying, hey, don't forget to ask me about Unevolve. It's all all about seeding social cues, you know? (laughs) I got the hint. Don't worry. (laughs) Okay. Second one is, what are you most thankful for? My family. Love it. Here's my favorite question, Jeff. If I see Jeff Fenster at a wedding reception and he's dancing, what's his best dance move? Ooh, well, two things. One, I must be somehow, somehow I don't drink very often, but I must be drunk because I don't dance. <laughs> uh, so if I'm dancing, I'm probably just doing like the, the like just the basic from Hitch. You know, I'm living yes. here. Very, very conservative. <laughs> very, very conservative. I love it. I, I know exactly. I don't know how to dance. <laughs> Well, you know business, so you know your strengths and you play in that area. All right. What's your what's the biggest obstacle you've overcome? In life or business or uh, you pick wh- whichever one you want to choose. Biggest obstacle. You know, I think it would be. Uh... Oh, that's a great question. Shit, I have a lot of them. Um... You've, you've overcome a lot, too. I know that. Well, uh, I would say my the biggest obstacle for me has been probably uh loneliness oh good yeah and you and you've overcome that yeah i mean it's 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 just it it's very different uh i've overcome it by by surrounding myself with amazing people and like i said or or, you know both family friends business like in all in all walks but not always feeling like you fit in is uh is has been something that's challenged me growing up well, I'm glad to challenge it. I'm glad you took the challenge and overcame it. That's a great, that's a great response. Okay, last one. Who is your hero? Ooh, I have lots, but I'm going to give it to the late, great Kobe Bryant right now. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, he passed away this year, but uh, his ethos, you know, forget basketball. I don't play. I'm 5'9", I'm so I'm not the greatest basketball <laughs> Me player. Me too. Me <laughs> too. Uh, but just, you know, this understanding that what he did and how he maximized his, his – um, potential and basically got every drop of juice out of his out of his uh, fruit of life while he was alive from being the greatest basketball player to winning a winning an Oscar to Mm -hmm. just maximizing if you're going to do something doing it your best and being your best and not settling and and, and satisfying for 95% of your best or 70% of your best but like when you put your name on something that you put your name on it and recognize that this is the best I can do and and live with the outcome Uh, I learned that from him and and uh, grew up you know, idolizing that, that aspect of him. And I strive every day to try to do the same thing. That's a great response. Mamba mentality for life, right? That's, That's a right. great response. Well, Jeff Fenster, thank you for your time. Good luck in opening the new store. Thank and we so hope much. to bring you to Pittsburgh at some point in the near future. Absolutely. Thank you. And hit me up and I'll send you that, that little gift box. It was great. Really appreciate it. And I, uh, I look forward to connecting with all of you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, I am watching you. (laughs) Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker at Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks, and I love you so much. Oh, 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 oh,